That's awesome. Thanks, guys. You can, yeah, nice. Hey, welcome to church. It's great, great to see you here. You're looking beautiful. An extra, an extra Monday, you haven't even had it yet, and it's already doing wonders for you. You know I'm speaking directly to you, Josh. You know, you know. Uh, very cool. Hey, I hope you're doing good. We are in the second week of our series, Living the Dream. I'm just going to move this around a lot. I'll just hold it like this. That'd be fine, eh? My arm wouldn't get tired. I was holding Evie in the praise, and I was like, man, no wonder Putty is really strong, because uh, holding children is, they don't weigh nothing. Evie's a beautiful baby, but I'm just not that muscly. Very cool. Hey, uh, so we are in the second week. I don't know how it happens. People give me microphones, and then my brain are just, right, there's a disconnect. Anyway, notes. That's why I write notes. Otherwise, it would, yeah. Very cool. You can pray for me. It's, it's, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Very cool. Hey, uh, uh, so last week, uh, Jordan started our series, Living the Dream. Who was here uh, for that sermon? It was incredible. Uh, I'm going to recap it really quick, but I do want to encourage you, uh, if you didn't hear it, uh, jump on SoundCloud and give it a listen, because it, it really, it, it sums up where we have been, and it also points towards where we're going, right? Because here's the thing. Uh, Jordan, he, he recapped our journey as a church over the last few months, and we've been following this uh, progression of the Israelite people that's laid out in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 to 7, right? And, and basically, the, the journey of the Israelite people is that they're freed from sin, uh, and then they're rescued from the things that enslaved them, then they're redeemed and given a treasure, and then they learn what it means to be God's people, right? So over the last about five months, we've been going uh, through this series, right? We've been going through what does it mean to escape Egypt? We've been going through what does it mean to, uh, to, to, to move forward, to change forward, to, to overcome the things that are holding us back? What does it mean to realize that, that God has, be, has put treasure in us, that, that we're not actually just here to, to do nothing, but that God has given us a gift. And, and now we're, we're looking at what does it mean to live the dream? Right? I, don't, I don't know this morning if you feel like you're living the dream. If you woke up with a, a smile on your face and, and, a, and a, a song in your heart, or if you woke up being like, oh man, a few hours sleep would have been nice. I don't really want to get out of bed. I don't know if you feel like you're, you're living the dream, but the goal of this series is to help us to realize that we are living the dream that we are living in the middle of, of a move of God, that we're living in the middle of something significant, and, and how do we engage with that, right? Because the last thing we want is to look back on our lives and realize, man, we had moments and opportunities provided to us, and we just watched them go by, right? See, last week, Jordan uh, finished his, his sermon with the story of Abraham, right? Abraham and God have this, this understanding. They have this relationship. And so God gives him a promise. God gives Abraham a promise that Abraham will father a nation, right? But, but Abraham gets old, right? Too old to, to naturally have children, too old for, for, for his family to grow. And so Abraham says to God, what good are these blessings and promises? I have no one to pass them on to. I don't have an heir. Right? And, and so God takes Abraham outside because they've been having this conversation in his tent. And in Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 to 6, we'll chuck it up on the screen. In the NLT translation, it says this. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just imagine it. No, we got it. There we go. It says this. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. See, the, the point of the series, like I said, is that we would realize that God has called us, right? That, that God has chosen us. 
and that we would realize that in your tent, the world can look very small. That, that in your tent, the dreams that you have can look unattainable. That, that in your tent, it's hard to imagine what God might do. So, so the aim is for the next 30 minutes, imagine that anything can happen. For the next 30 minutes, imagine that, that remind yourself that God is big. Remind yourself that God is powerful. Remind yourself that God is strong and that He's wise. See, the goal of this series is to have us step out of our tent. Right, our tent, which out out from our habitual thinking, right, out from our automatic uh, assumptions and responses, out from the things that we put in place to protect us that are now limiting us, that we would step out, that we would exit our tents and stand under an open sky. See, this morning I want to talk to you about purpose. See, purpose is purpose is interesting, right? Sermons about purpose, uh, in particular, are interesting. I don't know about you, but often uh, I, I found after hearing a sermon on purpose, I can leave feeling kind of guilty, right? Like the preacher, through no fault of the preacher, preaches this amazing message about how God has more for me and God has great things for me to do and to be a part of. And, and I can leave feeling like, oh man, well, why am I not a part of those things, right? Like, why am I missing the mark? What am I doing wrong? And, and sometimes I can leave with the false assumption that because God has great things for me and I don't feel like I'm engaged with them, that that means there's something wrong with me, right? That that means I need to feel guilty and ashamed. And so I just want to, I want to start the sermon with a, a presupposition, right? I've been interacting too much with the legal team at work. I want to start uh, the sermon with a, with a core assumption, right? That, that no one in this room wants to live a life without purpose, that no one in this room wants to, to live a life without meaning, without reason, without something bigger than us, right? I don't want you to leave this room feeling guilty. I don't think we ever choose to try and live without purpose. No one, no one wants their tombstone to read, they were here and, and then they weren't. All right, they didn't do anything. Nothing happened in the middle. They had no desire, no aim. We, 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 we want to have a purpose. We want to change the world for the better. We want to be known and, and, and to, to be loved. We want to be a good friend, a good employee, a good employer, a good son or a daughter, a good mother or father, sister or brother, to have a reason for us to, to be here beyond just being. Right? And if we have a selection of purposes, if we've got a, a bunch to choose from, if we've got a number of things that we can choose will be the purpose of our life, we want to choose the most fulfilling, right? No, 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 one, no one goes, and this is, the whole, this is the high point of my sermon, right? This, this one, just because you'll see, right? Just, just tune in. No one goes to the purpose store and, and peruses the purposes for purchase at this purpose proprietor. That's it, right? My job. It's just as many P words as I can fit in a row, right? But, but no, one, no one goes to the purpose store and says, I would like a medium, right? One mildly fulfilling life, please. One, one semi, you know, uh, sustaining, one semi fulfilling, one, one semi, you know, good life. I just want, you know, sometimes I want to feel like I'm fulfilled, but I'm all right with feeling empty most of the time. Right? No one makes that decision. No one asks for that. And, and, and so... We yearn for purpose, right? We, we yearn for a life of meaning. And yet, if you're anything like me, sometimes you can look back on a week or, or a month or even a year of your life and think, I was just on autopilot throughout that. I, 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 just, I just went. I just moved through it. I was just getting through and getting by. There was, there was no intention. There was no meaning. There was no purpose to that. And the, the question I want to address today is why? 
right? Why? If, if we know that God has ultimate purpose for us, if we know that living a fulfilling life following God's call will be the most fullest, the, the most fulfilling life we could possibly live, why would we live with any other purpose, right? If we know that, is it, is it because God's purpose is hard to find? Is, is it because God's purpose is hard to follow? See, I have three points this morning, and my prayer is that they would help us to identify God's purpose in our lives and, and how to live out that purpose. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a purpose. It's good. It's good. If you're taking notes this morning, my first point, I've got three. My first point is that purpose can't be delayed. See, here's the thing, right? Knowing our purpose can be hard. Figuring out what life is about, is, it's not like a, oh, just done, right? Easy. easy. What's life about? Yeah, no, I, I solved it. It's, it's a, a hard question to answer. It seems like a big question. And so often our response can be to decide that we just don't have a purpose right now, right? That, that, that maybe we'll just figure it out a little bit later, right? We, we say things, I've said things to myself, like when I finish studying, then I'll figure out what my purpose is. But right now, I'm just going to get through my degree. Or, or man, when, when the kids are older, then I'll have a purpose, right? Once, it, once the family life's easier, then I'll be really intentional. But right now, I've just got to get through. Or, or when I'm more secure in my job, right? When, when my career's worked out and I can kind of just, that, 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 that's safe for me, then, then I'll start thinking about what my purpose is. See, we, we, we take purpose from today and we place it in the someday, right? Someday I'll, I'll have purpose. But the problem is, is that purpose isn't a someday matter. In, in John chapter 4, uh, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman at a well, right? It's a, it's a story that you've probably heard before. He's having this discussion with her, and she's at the well in the middle of the day because it's really hot, and she doesn't want to meet anyone else. And, and this Samaritan woman, she has a case of the some days, right? Jesus is talking to her, and, and in the, the process of them having a conversation, he explains to her that God is doing something new that something new is happening in the world, that something new is happening right in front of her, that, that everyone will be able to know God in an intimate way, not just the Jewish people, right? He explains this, this paradigm-shifting idea to her, that God was changing the world. And, and since this woman has a case of the some days, she responds to him in John chapter 25. I'm reading from the message version. We'll put it back up on the screen. She says to him, I don't know about that, but I do know that the Messiah is coming someday, is what she's saying. I don't know about that, but I do know that one day, someday, the Messiah is coming. And when he arrives, someday, later on, in the future, then we'll get the whole story. Jesus responded, I am he. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. See, this woman someday, it insinuates that she isn't understanding what God is saying. She isn't understanding what Jesus is saying to her. She didn't know that she had an exclusive one-on-one -on -one with God, right? And so, so here, here she is, and just like Jordan mentioned last week, she's having her Abraham moment. She's having a moment where, where, where Jesus is attempting to show her the stars and say, the world is changing, Everything will be different from this moment. The world will be different. But she's stuck in her tent and she can't see the stars. Jesus is saying to her, the way that you interact with God can change from this moment onwards. And she's saying, yeah, yeah, maybe one day. Jesus is saying, look at the stars, try and count them, realize how big God is. And she's saying, I'm just seeing canvas. See, Jesus is telling her that the purpose of all creation is right in front of her humanity in relationship with God, and her, her response is, yeah, maybe, 
Maybe someday. See, why? Why would she say this? Right? Is she purposefully ignoring Jesus? Does she think she knows better? Is, you know, what, what's, what's going on here? I think, I think a lot of life seems to be a search. Right? A lot of life can be a search for, for belonging, for, for confidence, for, for satisfaction, for success. And oftentimes on the search, we don't find what we're looking for. Right? As, as we search, we don't find what we're looking for, and our coping mechanism is to use a someday mentality. Right? The, the reason that we do this is because after not finding what you're looking for right away, after not finding what, what, what you think that you need, we start to cope in a way that, that we can move on. Right? So we start to say something like, oh, I'm not finding it right now, but someday, someday there'll be a day and I'll have my Disney moment. Right, someday there'll be a day and, and everything will line up just right. I'll, I'll walk into work and my boss will walk up to me and say, oh, those 10 years of hard work you've put in, we've seen that and we want to promote you not just to the next step up, but we want to make you a, a, a few steps beyond that. We want to give you your dream job. Right, that, that you'll, you'll be walking down the street and a lady will walk up to you and say, oh, I've seen you on the train for the last five years and will you marry me? You're a beautiful man. Right, we, we, we wait for this someday, this Disney moment where everything clicks when it's going to happen, right? Has anyone here ever said something like, S someday I'll lose weight, right? So, someday, someday I'll have the corner office, right? Someday, someday I'll get married. Someday I'll have the dream house. Someday I'll be happy. Someday I'll try and do something beyond just me, but just not today. I'll just, I'll just wait a little bit. See, the problem with the someday mentality is you're not present today. If we decide someday we'll have a purpose, then there is no intent to what we do here and now. See, the good thing is, is I can help with this, right? This is actually quite an easy situation to fix because our purpose is actually pretty easy to figure out. That the purpose, the, the reason for our existence, it's not a mystery. We don't have to wait for someday to figure it out. Our purpose is quite simple. Our purpose is two things. One, knowing God. Right, being in a relationship with God, and two, inviting others to do the same. Right, satisfaction is when the created know the creator, and in that there is meaning. See, purpose is a two-sided coin. It's knowing God, and it's living life as a missionary, inviting people to know God as well. I, I couldn't preach a sermon on purpose without quoting Rick Warren, right, who, who sold 30 million uh, copies of a book called The Purpose Driven Life. So either he's, he's got a great, you know, scheme going on, or maybe he said something that's uh, pretty, pretty worth hearing about purpose, right? In, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, which I want to encourage you, if you haven't read, it is a good read. Uh, Rick Warren describes purpose as five areas. He says purpose is number one, love God with all of your heart, that, that we were planned for God's pleasure. So our purpose is to love God through worship. He says, number two, that our purpose is to love your neighbor as yourself, that we were shaped for serving. So our purpose is to show love for others through ministry. He says, number three, that we should go and make disciples so we were made for mission. And, and so part of our purpose is to share God's message through evangelism, through letting people know that we have a hope. He says, number four, that we should baptize them into, that we were formed for God's family, that, that it's in our purposes and our identity with church through fellowship, through being a family together, united in God. And he says, number five, teach them to do all things, that we were created to become like Christ. And so our purpose is to grow to maturity through discipleship. See, I think if we, if we boil those things down, that they come to knowing God, 
and helping others to do the same. They come to having a relationship with God and being transformed and changed because of that relationship and sharing with other people the hope that we have, the good news that we have. Our purpose is quite simple, right? But our purpose isn't necessarily easy. Who knows most things in life are quite simple, right? Like all of those someday things, they're quite simple. You want to lose weight, you eat less, and you do more exercise. Simple idea, hard application. I don't know if anyone else has found that in their life, right? You know, you, you want to get married. S- simple idea. You find someone, you like them, they like you, relationship progresses, you, you pull out a ring at some stage, you don't lose it, they say yes, you get married. Simple idea. Harder an application, right? Like, how do I find the person? What happens if they say no? Why does that couple not get off the lookout where I want to propose, right? There's maybe a more of a personal testimony. Right, but these are simple things, but they're, they're hard in application. See, knowing our purpose and living in purpose are two different things. See, my second point this morning, if you're taking notes, my second point is that purpose is deliberate. See, purpose never just happens. Purpose is, is deliberate. It's intentional. Turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read verse 24 uh, to 27. This is the NLT translation. We'll, we'll put it up on the screen. It says this. Up on the screen. I used to be able to do that. Or I'll just read it. Hey. No, we got it. Yeah, there we go. It says this. Oh, this is message translation. Even better. Fine. Uh, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Every run runs. One wins. Run to win. Verse 25. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. So, moving forward. Maybe not. Yeah, nice. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. One last verse. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping. Tell everyone else all about it and then miss out myself. Right there. The NLT translation says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Now, this is what I want you to pay attention. Verse 26. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my life like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself will be disqualified. See, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and Paul often uses this analogy of running a race to describe life. Right, in in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, he says, You were running well, what hindered you from obeying the truth? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 16, he says, Holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. See, lately as the, as the weather has started to improve, uh, I've started to run again. I shouldn't really say again. I've never really run very well, but I've, I've started to run lately. Full disclosure, I'm about four days into my running plan. I run every day, but uh, it, is, it is four days in. And if there's one thing I'm good at, it's starting strong and finishing 
less strong, right? But I'm, I'm going to run well. I'm going to run well. Mark's holding me to account because he always sees me at work when I'm going out for a run because he's come back from a real run because he's a real runner. Um, but, but have you ever been out for a run, right? We don't need to show our hands because that would be name and shame. But you can just give me a little, little nod. We know if you've been for a run because you've got a, a great runner's bod, right? But, but I don't know about you. As do I, four runs, right? Slim and trim and looking great. Uh, I don't know about you, but in my experience, I've never, find, I've never found myself accidentally in the middle of a run. Right? Like, I've, I've, I've never caught myself in a moment and realized, oh, wow, I, I, I'm in my running gear. Oh, wow, I'm 5Ks into a run. 5Ks is about my max at the moment, right? So I'd be like, well, I'm very tired of 5Ks in a run. But I've never found myself, oh, how did, how did I get here? How did, this, how did this happen? How did I, 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 just, I just appeared in a run, right? Every time that I've gone for a run, there is the pre-run. There is the moment of, should I, shouldn't I? Oh, that seems like a lot of work, and you get sweaty, and your heart does this thing where it beats faster than normal, right? There's this moment, and then I've got to go get my gym bag, and I've got to go get changed, and I've got to do the pre-stretch, and I've got to turn on my app, and I've got to set up my music, and then I've got to run, right? See, see, purpose is like running. You will never find yourself accidentally living a life of purpose. You will never wake up one morning and be like, wow, I've been really intentional in bringing an amazing amount of purpose to everything that I've been doing. That's fantastic. Wow. I guess that just works out great for me, right? Go, Jono. Well done. It's never going to work out like that. It's about the purpose of every step, right? I've also found with my, my four days of running expertise that I, I haven't gone for a w- run once and then found that I've had a runner's physique, right? I haven't gone for a run once and then be like, well, look, my six-pack appeared. That's fantastic, right? See, running, running isn't an event. It's a habit. It, it's not a one-off thing. In the same way, purpose is not an event. Purpose is a habit. See, you don't find purpose once and from then on you're like, sweet, I've got a life, life of purpose. It's Fantastic, right? Now, purpose is in everything I do. I found my purpose once, and now I have purpose forever. See, scriptures like Luke chapter 9, verse 23, in which Jesus says, If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. It alludes to the fact that living with God is all about consistent, repeated choices. Which means for for me, living a life of purpose isn't just a moment of clarity. It's a daily decision. It's a a daily question. God, help me to live with your purpose today. God, help me to see where you are moving. Help me to be a part of what you're doing to bring heaven to earth. Because here's the thing about life. If it's not deliberate, it will be default. If, If we're not deliberate, we will default to what we've always done. If we're not deliberate, then we will default to what is comfortable. And unfortunately, that won't be God's promise. Right? Jeremiah uh, chapter 17, verse 9, the most encouraging scripture in the Bible, says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It, it goes on to say that it is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I hope that you feel better about yourself this morning, right? Like, oh, good to know that my heart's fantastic. See, but, but here's the thing, left to our own devices, we are not going to automatically swerve into living a life of purpose and mission. We're going to accidentally drift into living a life of comfort, and that comfort isn't actually good for us. If we're not deliberate about the purpose of our lives, we will create a hole in our hearts, and, and in that hole, we will fill it with something familiar and convenient, and this is dangerous because my third and final point If you're taking notes this morning, my third and final point is that purpose can be destructive. 
See, here's the thing. Purpose is a heavy burden. And, and the best way to ruin a good thing is to ask it to carry a purpose that it was never intended to. See, to, to bring us full circle, I think often in life we find it hard to determine or to walk into God's purpose, and we put it off to discover or to be a part of someday, right? We, we delay purpose. And, and as a result, because we're not deliberate, we default, right? Because we are delaying purpose, we're not deliberately seeking after it, and we default. But the heart can't exist without purpose, Right, purpose is is to our heart, to our souls, the same as oxygen is to our lungs. Right, we can't live without it. And so, if we're not actively following or seeking out God's purpose for our life, we accidentally make something else our purpose. Essentially, what we do is we create an idol. See, an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts. If I have that, if I had that in my life, then I'll feel that life has meaning. If I, if I had that, then I'll know that I, that I had value. If I, if I had that, then I'll feel significant and secure. Then I'll have a purpose. And often the tricky things with idols is it's often a good thing that we ask to be the ultimate thing. See, an idol isn't always something inherently bad, but it's destructive if it's put in the wrong place. And an idol isn't necessarily evil, it's often just too small, and it won't fill the space that we need it to fill. See, like I said, full circle, because the best example of this is Abraham. See, Abraham, as we know, is called by God to leave everything that he knows and set out following God's dream for his life. And he steps out, and he trusts in God. And, and so God promises him that through his family, the world will be blessed. But Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they lack any children, specifically any sons, to carry on his line. And so they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and, and they wait. And they get older and older, and having a son goes from unlikely to impossible. And like we saw at the beginning of the service, he, he, he takes this despair to God, and God takes him out of his tent and invites him to dream. And, and as a result, Abraham has a son, a, a miracle named Isaac. And it's important to realize that, that there has probably never been someone who wanted a son more than Abraham did. See, his, his whole life, his choices, his promises from God, they all hang off of Isaac's shoulders. Everything that is dear to him is in Isaac. This boy means everything to Abraham. And then in Genesis chapter 22, God says to Abraham, take your dear son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains they'll point out to you. God tells Abraham to kill his son. See, most of the Bible I can get. Right, most of the Bible I read, and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I can kind of see, I see what God's doing there. But I've always struggled with this, right? Like I've got this picture of God being loving and merciful and for me and, and for the best of the world. And then God's like, oh, and by the way, that son that you love that I gave to you, done. Sacrifice him, right? Kill him. It doesn't seem in line with God, right? What kind of God asked a man to kill his son, let alone the son that he promised him as a result of his promises, Right, so Abraham takes Isaac on this three-day journey, and they arrive at the mountain, and he takes the knife to kill Isaac, and he's stopped by an angel. And, and the angel points out a ram which is caught in a bush, and they kill this ram in Isaac's place. And, and to be honest, the whole story is kind of confusing. It kind of doesn't make sense. It's weird because God seems moody and angry and unpredictable and indecisive and fickle and, until we realize that, that God wasn't after Isaac. 
until we realized that it wasn't Isaac's heart that he wanted offered up as a burnt sacrifice. He was after Abraham. He wanted Abraham's heart, and he was protecting Isaac. See, here's the thing. God wasn't saying not to love Isaac, but that Abraham must not turn Isaac into an idol. See, if, if God hadn't intervened, Abraham would have, have surely come to love his son more than anything in the world if he did not already, and that would have been idolatry, and all idolatry is always destructive because purpose is destructive if it's put on the wrong thing. See, Isaac was a wonderful gift to Abraham, but he was not safe to have until Abraham was willing to put God first. And as, as long as Abraham never had to choose between his son and obedience to God, he could not see that his love for Isaac was becoming idolatrous. That Isaac's love and, and, and success would have become Abraham's only identity and joy. That he would have become inordinately angry and anxious and depressed if Isaac ever failed to obey him or to love him. And because nothing can handle or deserve the weight of Godhood, because nothing but God can bring us purpose, Isaac would have disappointed him. He would have, he would have let him down and, and Abraham would have been broken. See, God is showing us that your human heart takes good things like a successful career, like, like love, like material possessions, like family, and it turns them into the ultimate thing. See, the very things upon which we build our happiness turn to dust in our hands because we built our happiness upon them. See, I'm just about done, but I want you to remember this. The question I wanted to address today was why. Right, why if we know that God has ultimate purpose for us, if, if we know that living a life following God's call, that that will be the fullest, most fulfilling life we could possibly live, why would we live with any other purpose? Right, is it, is it that God's purpose is hard to find? Or is it that God's purpose is hard to follow? See, God's purpose isn't hard to find, but it can be hard to follow. But ultimately, we don't follow God's purpose because we're in our tents. We're in our safe thinking. We're in our habits. We're not intentionally avoiding God, but we're not deliberately seeking Him out. We're in our day-to-day, moving through the motions, just doing life. And, and we accidentally make purpose a someday affair. I'm just really busy at the moment, and, and purpose feels like this, this big, massive thing where I have to sit down and figure out, does God want to send me on a mission? Does God want me to sell my house? Does, does God want me to, to do this life-changing thing? And that might be God's purpose for you. But that's, that's somewhere along the journey. That's a few steps in. The first step is just saying, God, I'm going to live today no matter what. God, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go out and be. I'm going to go out and do things Help me to be in your purpose in doing that. Help me as I'm at work and I'm interacting with my workmates, which I'm going to do no matter what, to look for your purpose in those interactions. Help me as I'm, as I'm picking my kids up from school and talking to other parents to, to look for purpose in that interaction. Help me as I'm, as I'm talking to my family, as I'm loving on them, as I'm trying to do my best to be a great husband or father or brother or sister, to bring purpose into that moment. See, but accidentally, we make purpose a someday affair because it seems intimidating and far off and hard. And so we say, someday I'll have purpose, and we create a hole in our hearts. And that hole is a vacuum that can't stay empty, and so something else makes its way into that hole. And before we know it, we've asked our family to become our purpose for living. 
Before we know it, we've asked our career to be our purpose for living, our financial success to be our purpose for living, none of which are necessarily bad things, but we ask them to do too much. And as a result, they disappoint us and we destroy them. And then we're left questioning, man, what's my purpose? Because it was meant to be family, but my family didn't obey me every moment and they didn't always love me and so I feel let down. Man, what's my purpose? It's meant to be my job, but I was passed over for a promotion. What's, what's, what am I meant to be? What's my purpose? I, I thought it was financial security, but my investments fell through and now I'm, I'm in a position that I didn't want to be in and I feel like I have no reason. See, the only purpose that won't let us down is God. When we say, God, all of these things are important, but none of them are the ultimate thing. Help me to be deliberate every day about following who you are. See, God has purpose for us today. It might not be the big missions trip or the new business, but it's God with us in the small things. And if we don't look for that, if we're not deliberate, we default. And we make something else our purpose. And as a result, we ultimately destroy the joy that that brings. See, just before I finish, I want to encourage you that we're a church that has a purpose. You know, we've been talking about this open night, right? And to some of you, that can seem like uh, buzzwords and, and like a, a weird idea that, of course, George and Jono had that idea because they always wanted to do something different, right? But the thing is, is that we've been really deliberate over the last six months of clarifying our purpose as a church. We know that we are here to change this city. And we don't just want to say one day, right? We don't just want to be like, oh, one day, maybe we'll change the city in like 50 years. It'll be right, right? We want to be deliberate. We want to be measurable. We want to set out a goal and extend faith. So we've said as a church that we want to have a measurable impact in the culture of the city by the year 2020, right? And the good news is, is that we already made the front page of the newspaper about making an influence and a change in the culture of the city. Right, see, so it's not impossible. It's just the first step. What we're, what we're aiming for is that the first three pages of the newspaper would be filled with initiatives that Equipers Church is taking to make the city better. That there would be an article that says thousands of people join together on a Sunday and worship God. That there would be an article that says abuse rates in Wellington have dropped to an all-time low. That there would be an article that says no child is hungry or unclothed in the city. That destructive behaviors have gone down. See, we as a church know know our why. We're here to make a difference. We're here to engage with God and be, be loved by Him and love on Him and then go out into our city and let them know that we have a hope. And so the what becomes easy. The reason we're doing the open night is because we said we've got this massive why. Maybe, just maybe, there are other people in the world who need to be a part of this why and it would be irresponsible to keep it just to us. Maybe, just maybe, we need to take a faith step and say, God, we're just going to do something where, where the, the limit is off. Everyone has Facebook. We're going to believe that maybe there's someone overseas, maybe there's someone in Auckland, maybe there's someone down south that's going to see this on Facebook, be it live or watching it afterwards, and something in their heart is going to say, you need to be a part of that. Why? You need to be a part of this change in the best city in the world. Right, we've got some things going for us. The weather is always like this. It's fantastic. If you're visiting from another city, I just want to encourage you, you know, maybe God's calling you here. This is the voice of God. He's calling you here. It just happens that this message on purpose is when people are visiting. That's God, right? No pressure. Just pray that. I deliberately didn't look at anyone who was visiting just then. It would have been awkward, eh? <laughs> then I did. But here's the thing, right? 
in life, we as a church have purpose. But we as a church will only continue to have purpose if we as a church individually engage in purpose. If we as a church choose to step out, and I just want to encourage you, don't be daunted by the, oh, purpose seems big. Purpose seems hard. Purpose seems like if I step out, God's going to ask me to do something crazy. Maybe He will. Maybe He'll ask you to do something like sacrifice your only son that God gave to you, but maybe God's got an intention behind it that actually that thing that you have that you're trying to protect You're going to destroy if you don't let it go and let God be your purpose. See, the best thing about purpose is embracing God's purpose for us is always going to result in a better life, a more fulfilling life. God brings us purpose to save us. See, today, where is your purpose? Have you accidentally allowed something good to take God's place? Are you waiting for someday to drink? Or are you waking up every morning and you're saying to God, deliberately asking Him, God, today in my waking, God, today in my breathing, God, today in my walking, in my normal moving day, help me to see where you are moving. God, help me to see what what you are a part of. God, help me to remember that the ordinary is divine, that you are moving through everything. Help me to see your purpose. God, help me today to step out of my tent and to count the stars. See, where is it in life that we've limited God and we're dreaming too small? The way I want to finish this message is just if you could stand to your feet as the band comes up. I want to encourage you and I want to remind you that purpose isn't an event. I'm going to pray for you in a minute, but that moment of prayer isn't going to give you a lifetime of purpose. A lifetime of purpose comes from every day talking to God, every day approaching God and saying, God, what is today about? God, what am I about? God, help me to have eyes to see and ears to hear where you're moving and what you're doing, that I wouldn't miss the fact that you are changing the world and you're inviting me to be a part of it. But what I do want to do is I want to pray a prayer and then we're going to finish with a song of praise. And I want to pray for us that we would be bold. I think the biggest barrier to living a life of purpose is fear. What if I step out and it's scary? What if I step out and it's more than I can handle? What if I step out and and I stuff up and I, I think I've got a purpose, but everything falls down? Let's believe that God is with us, that He's moving in it, that we can trust Him. Come on, as you bow your heads, as you close your eyes, maybe raise your hands. God, this morning, as a church, we declare that we want your purpose. God, more than anything else, more than any other good thing that might satisfy for a moment, but ultimately leave us disappointed, we want to engage with your purpose for our lives. God, we know that stepping out and following you is an act of courage. God, that you call us to to unexpected and, and, and scary places, but that you don't call us anywhere that you won't go with us and that you are the God who is more than enough. That as you call us to step out into the seemingly impossible, as you call us like you did Abraham to father a nation when we're too old to have a son naturally, that you are the God of miracles who provides a son when nothing seemed like it could happen. God, help us to be bold enough to step out of our tents and start to attempt to count the stars in the sky, knowing that your dreams for us are bigger than we could imagine. God, give us courage. 
Let us be bold. God, help us to pray prayers and declare dreams that scare us, that require faith, that we say, man, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I'm believing, God, that, that you're going to make this work. Just right now in this room, God, I just declare bravery. God, I just speak courage into hearts that are afraid. God, I speak into people that are already stepping out in purpose that you would continue to encourage them, that you would continue to enable them, that, that they would be reassured in this moment that they are stepping out, and if they're stepping out with you, then wherever their foot may fall is blessed, that you are with them. God, I declare over us as a people that we are a church of purpose, that we know why we are here, and so the what and the when are easy because we know your why. God, thank you that you love us, that you're for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, just, just one more thing before we finish with a song. If you're here this morning and, and you've heard me talking about this God who's got a purpose for you, this God who loves you, this God who wants to engage with you, this God who, who brings more than you could ever know to your life, who replaces the things that are not enough with He who is enough. And you know that you don't know Him or you know that you've known Him, but but at some stage you've fallen away from knowing them. Just one more time as every head is bowed and eyes closed. This morning, if you want to pray a prayer that invites God to be your God, that invites God to be a part of your life, that invites Him to be your Lord, to take over that hole that you have in your heart and to bring you purpose and fulfillment. If you know that you need to pray a prayer to ask Him in, be it for the first time or if it's a recommitment, just right now, I want you to shoot up your hand and let me know, John, I want to pray this prayer. I'm, I need this moment. Just right now, his head's about and eyes are closed. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick for me. Let me know. Awesome. I haven't seen any hands. Awesome. I see that hand. Thank you. Is anyone else here this morning? Just raise your hand up nice and high for me. Let me know, John, I'm, I'm praying this prayer today. Just one more time if that's you. Awesome. Church, I want you to repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me when I could never earn it. But thank you that as a result, I could never lose your love. Today, I choose to follow you, to make you my purpose, my heart, my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, why don't you give us a shout of praise? It's good. It's good. Hey, I want to encourage you. We're going to finish with a song of praise. But if you're wondering how do you find out the purpose of this church, there's a class after this called DNA. Go to DNA. Uh, find out. 12 o'clock. Lunch is provided. Uh, be a part of that. Be a part of knowing why we're here, what we're doing, uh, what we're about. Be a part of us. Be a part of our DNA. Otherwise, uh, enjoy, enjoy morning tea, and we will see you online at 8 p.m. this Thursday. Very cool.